Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you feeling today? I'm good. My stomach is not. You've been making sounds all day. I'm worried it might spontaneously combust. You have been making some noises over there. (laughs) (laughs) Can't control it. I don't think that the mic will pick it up. I doubt it. Yeah. So that's actually what I was going to say when I started to say you and then I blanked and I didn't know what I was going to say. You (laughs) might hear some noises on the mic was what I was going to say. I really don't think that's going to happen. (laughs) No, I doubt it. But I panicked. And that's why it sounded really awkward there for the last few seconds. Anyhow, let's change the subject. We are here today to talk to you about Lord of War, the 2005 classic film as Hannah grips her stomach in agony. About a gun dealer, uh, arms smuggler, gun runner, uh, played by Nicolas Cage. So eloquent. Honestly, this podcast has gotten off to a great start, and it's much more eloquent than this movie. So we'll get into the movie in just a brief moment. We're going to start with going over the ratings. Yeah, quick question, though. Yeah. When your appendix burst, what were, like, the signs and symptoms? (laughs) Okay, well, my appendix never burst. Didn't you get it removed? Your gallbladder, my bad. How long have we been together? Too long. You usually have a fever, I believe, when your appendix bursts. I feel warm. I think you'd be on the ground in agony if your appendix burst. What about the gallbladder? Gallbladder was a shooting sharp pain on my right side. Mm-mm, can't really. Under the rib cage. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you thought about it. Ratings, rankings. Yeah, let's let's get back on track here. <laughs> what are the ratings and rankings for this movie? Lord of War 2005 on IMDb. It has a 7.6 out of 10, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it is sitting at a 61%. I think those are fair. Yeah. This movie's it's fine. fine. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's kind it's of, fine. yeah. It's the epitome to me of just a movie. It's yeah. A, it's not good. It's not great. It's not take bad. I much away from it. It's not so bad. It's good. It's just a movie. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm with you. So anyhow, before we get into this just a movie, where is Nicolas Cage in his life? What's some of the background information you were able to dig up for this movie? Just living his life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, not much going on in 2005. He's married to Alice Kim. Um, he brought her on set. Well, not on set, but he, like, got married to her and then traveled with her to the set of this movie where they were filming in Africa. (laughs) Real quick, I'll just mention that the budget of this movie was $42 million, which I thought was kind of low for all the CGI and random crap going on. Sure. Explosions, whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it made back at the box office $72 million. All right, not so bad. it did okay. Yeah. Um, the filmer, uh, the uh, no U.S. studio would would financially back this project mm. because it portrays the U.S. as involved, being involved in in the uh, the gun elite, trade. In, yeah, in in illicit arms dealing. Right. So I suppose that no U.S. Uh, domestic studio wanted to financially back that so they had to get some international backers and obviously they were able to to get enough money to make this movie and Hmm. and make some money on it as well so they did fine financially the filmmakers worked with um some actual gun runners so as we get through the movie we'll Hmm. talk about like all the different scenes and some of the sets there's tanks and you know ships and cargo and lots of guns and things going on i mean it feels relatively realistic i would say like i don't know what an illegal arms deal looks like but if i had to imagine one i looks just like what they portray in this movie yeah 
Um, so they actually worked with some actual gun runners. Actually worked with some actual gun runners. All right, Hannah. Actually. Actually. Um, so they worked with some real gun runners. The tanks um, lined up for sale. There's a scene where there's tanks lined up for sale. They were actually real. They belonged to a Czech um, arms dealer mm. who needed them back after they were they uh, filmed to sell it to a different country. Oh, good. And they showed a stockpile of 3,000 AK-47s at some point, and mm-hmm. they were real. Whoa. Because it was cheaper to get a stockpile of real guns than buy a bunch of prop guns, apparently. Jesus. Um, when you pile together 3,000 of almost anything you don't really have to have three thousand. you no, just need the outer layer I so i wonder if they factored that in or not i doubt it <laughs> some international financial backers who maybe just wanted it to be real i don't know yeah i guess uh, it's it helps with the with the feel the world the building and the realism that would be i dumb. don't know i'm just a messenger here no, I, don't <laughs> I didn't know. make any of these decisions <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so Nicolas Cage in this movie plays a character named Yuri Orlov, who <laughs> really, <laughs> my, honestly, my pronunciation of that was better than some of the Ukrainian and Russian Absolutely. that Nick Cage was speaking. Yeah. Um, so he plays this guy named Yuri, who was based off of like seven different people in real life. Oh, okay. Um. I've got some details on them. So the main guy that he was based off of is a man named Victor Bout, a convicted arms dealer notorious for smuggling arms and other merchandise through several aviation company fronts. And that's something that Mm. Yuri does in this movie. Most of, actually all of them. So Yuri comes from the Ukraine and it was in like the 80s. In the early 90s, so former former Soviet Union, um, now now the Ukraine. So all these all these people originated from former Soviet Union uh, before the wall fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another guy is a Lebanese Armenian arms dealer named Sarkis Soghanolian. I'm That's very okay. sorry. There's uh, multiple others, but the main guy, Victor Bal, uh, there the uh, History Channel did an expose on him and mm. they, they talk a lot about him and how this movie is is mostly based off of him but apparently there's reports that um his background is uh loosely inspired by some other people as well so last week we talked about how national treasure is that movie for people in the historical artifacts kind of mm. field historical what documentation field sure I wonder if this is that movie for, for like, gun illegal smugglers. arms dealing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Could be. I mean, it was a big movie. Sure, eh, big enough. Okay, so that's pretty much it on the film itself. We'll talk a little bit about Nick. I know that is originally what you asked me, but that's I okay. kind of wanted to get through the the background in the movie and save the Nick stuff for last. So the DVD, the U.S. release of this uh, DVD, I think there was like a U.K. and a U.S. release, but the bonus feature on the DVD contains a PSA from Nicolas Cage <laughs> on the issue of illicit arms sales and gun safety, and I couldn't get a video of that. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe we can try and look for it and then insert some audio, so if, if we can find it, you'll listen to it right now. If not, sorry, you can look it up yourself. <laughs> I don't think Steve mentioned this yet, but this movie stars Nick Cage, obviously, mm-hmm. and Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. Um, shout they're out to bros. the Hawkeyes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Hawkeyes, another podcast. They um, do the same thing we do, but with Ethan Hawke. We should have. If it weren't COVID, maybe we could have. Oh, yeah. Do know, meet up with them. Up I don't know them where they live. Call them or something. <laughs> Only listen to hey, like guys. a few episodes, but they're great. Hi, guys. <laughs> So uh, Nick Cage and Ethan Hawke have a bit of a love affair, which I didn't know about. Ethan Hawke is obsessed with Nicolas Cage. Okay, so you say love affair. There are a few scenes in this movie where, because so Ethan Hawke plays the Interpol agent who's after Nicolas Cage the whole movie, which you can obviously predict. Um, and that's one of my problems with this movie is that you could just predict just everything. Right, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there are a few scenes where he's like interrogating Nick Cage and they, so, their faces get very close to each I, other. I've got a few few notes on that. Ooh. <laughs> so 
I'll start with a quote from Nick first. He says, Ethan is someone I've admired for a long time, not only because he's a compelling thespian, but also a published novelist and a great filmmaker himself. And then Ethan came back and said, I'm kind of obsessed with Nick Cage. He's the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with, with the art of acting. He said, one of my favorite scenes I've ever done is the final interrogation scene with Nick Cage in Lord of War. Wow, that so, scene seemed really weak to me. I, I thought so There too. were better scenes between <laughs> I, the two of them. Uh, apparently that was like his favorite scene he's ever done. That was maybe my they least, cut a lot. Maybe, that was my least favorite scene as a viewer. So in response to that, Nick said that I'm very touched, especially because this is a time where actors can be very negative about each other in the press. Um, and that's usually insecurity talking. So it proves that Ethan is a very confident man. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I just think that's funny. He's like, yeah. It's like, oh, well, because Ethan is not intimidated by me, he must be very confident because wow. I'm very intimidating. What so a- you must be very confident in order to not be insecure by me, the the uh, the Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. That's how I read that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's kind of annoying, but kind of hilarious. And then one last kind of interesting bit is... His son, Weston Coppola, is in this movie. Oh, really? He's, he plays, he just has, has like a cameo in it. Okay. He plays a helicopter mechanic that uh, Nick Cage speaks to in Russian. And in Russian, he says, son, get off of there before you hurt yourself. Oh, that was his son? That was his son. Interesting. I remember him saying that because I was yeah, like, why are you calling him son? Yeah. It's weird. There were subtitles, which is why. Right. Uh, no, just kidding. We speak Russian. <laughs> Way to save face. Good catch. Thanks. Yeah. Dasvidaniya. Yet. I don't know any words in Russian. Vodka. I don't know. (laughs) That is interesting. That's cool that his son made a cameo. And his son got to meet Nicolas Cage's new love interest in Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And uh, his new stepmom. His fourth stepmom. Third, I guess. Yeah. Patricia Arquette. Presley. And then Alice Kim. Alice Kim. And so won't be that. his last stepmom. No, no. <laughs> um, I think two more times he gets married. Yeah, I know that in recent history he's had a another one of those very f- quick it, marriages. It was like a day. It was yeah. like twenty four hours. He said it was a mistake. We'll, we'll get to we'll, that. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um, other people that star in this movie: Jared Leto, mm-hmm. uh, Bridget Moynihan. Yep. Uh, any other big names no one else i knew no there's some other people who i thought looked familiar but couldn't place them and it's really not important don't care (laughs) (laughs) pulls up her computer looks at the list and then goes nah don't care (laughs) i shook my head shook her head don't care don't care wow okay so do you want to start going through the movie yeah Uh, i I mean mean, do you have anything else to add no no okay all All right i just want to make sure i want to respect your segment of the show Thanks. I think that our listeners respect my segment of the show as well. Well, thank you. I think it's potentially the most interesting part. Whoa. Hey, come on. Shots fired. Yeah. All right. Let's... Fine. We'll get through the movie then. Jesus. I'll just sit here in a corner and talk about my least interesting part of the podcast. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... No, you're not. So... so Lord of War opens up in a very odd way and it opens up in the sense that nick cage is standing looking at the camera speaking in not in the third person he's breaking the fourth wall there's a terrible green screen behind him and he's like there's (laughs) there's there's whenever you do his voice you start with (laughs) there's there's 500 million guns in the world that's one gun for every 12 people how do we arm the other 11 and then it goes into this montage of manufacturing a bullet and it follows a single bullet throughout its lifetime, essentially. And I know that on YouTube in particular, there was a, a YouTube series called The Corridor Crew and they analyzed like the best scenes, the best CGI scenes in cinema history. And they analyzed that scene, the the, the montage, and they had a lot of positive things to say about it. Mm. So there's a lot of Easter eggs, apparently. Oh, yeah. In that. 
I don't know, gun mm. things that I don't know anything about. Oh, I get so, Yeah, that's true. I, just, I know nothing just about gun guns. gun things. Yeah. It's like when we talked about Gone in 60 Seconds. I know nothing about cars. No. Or uh, Apache helicopters. Or Apache helicopters. <laughs> we knew nothing about mid-1990s ambulances when we were talking mm. about bringing up the dead. But then we learned. I learned, I learned a bit about those. <laughs> so we also know Did nothing some research. about guns. Did yeah. not do research on guns no, for those. That's okay. I don't think you have to. No. It's really not important and i think there's some ar-15s there's some ak-47s there are some uzis that is all yes there are a lot of ak-47s in this movie uh which he brings up throughout the course of the movie so after that little montage there that like i said was applauded by the cgi community uh we open up on nicholas cage in little odessa so he explains through voiceover (laughs) i was just knocking shit over over there (laughs) he explains through voiceover which we learned in the movie adaptation is lazy screenwriting it really was it it was exceptionally lazy in this This, movie uh, i'd say like 50 percent in this movie is just voiceover Oh, yeah, totally. And, and Nicolas Cage just explaining the background and the plot to you. It's like, why couldn't you just show me that then? Right. Why'd I have to listen about it? Show us. Don't tell us. You have a visual medium. Stupid. Stupid. Anyhow. Yeah, that's so, my biggest complaint with this movie. Was the voiceover? Yeah, because I got bored. I got real bored with this movie. That's for sure. I feel like it could have been more interesting if totally. they didn't do voiceover for half of it this movie is about gun smugglers yeah in the craziest parts of the world and yeah. i was bored like halfway through yeah that's that's terrible yeah so anyhow just a movie like i said so he's in little odessa and he explains his background and his upbringing so he's from the ukraine or he's from soviet he's U- from soviet, soviet union, union which is now ukraine okay so he came from there. His parents changed their names or their religion, and they pretended to be Jewish. Yes. So it really doesn't come up much. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's used for comedic effect or something. I mean, they did it to escape. Well, no. Well, they did it to to open up a business that they thought would be more successful because they own like a no, Jewish they changed, deli. They changed their name when they came to the U.S. So, like, so they could. On at Ellis Island, so yeah. they could prove, like, so they could show why they escaped. Oh, is that why? That's what they said. Oh boy, God, shows you how much I remember about this movie. <laughs> so his parents own, like I said, a Jewish deli or a coffee shop or something along those lines, and that's where we see Jared Leto, who plays his brother, and his brother is the chef. So Nick Cage goes in and has a very nouveau shamanic moment in the beginning, where he tastes the soup that he's making, <laughs> and. To Nick Cage's credit, it is difficult to act like you're acting, but he does this fake choking thing. Oh my God, the soup is so bad. And it was just so awkward. It was really uncomfortable. Oh, so uncomfortable. So he's walking around Little Odessa, this part of New York City, uh, and there's this kind of through line where he's like, I have a crush on... Ava something or other, this model, Ava Fontaine, who's this model who's on billboards and like was Miss Universe or something like that. And then she doesn't come back for a while in this movie. And I had to remind myself several times. I even wrote a note. Remember, there's a love interest in this movie. So Nick Cage looking for work. I believe he goes to Temple with his father and runs into a family member who says, why don't you get involved with in the gun trade? And uh, so that's he makes his first gun sale, and he's really good at it. He finds out he's he's great at selling guns, so he recruits his brother, and they even end up going to a weapons conference where they run into this bigwig in the weapons world, and he's this snooty Englishman, and he comes back later. Oh my! <laughs> Hannah just yawned. Sorry. <laughs> so the snooty Englishman comes back later. So just keep that in mind. Anyhow, they're instantly successful nick cage in uh i have jl and i keep wanting to say jennifer lopez but it's jared <laughs> but it's jared leto jennifer J-Lo. lopez would make this movie incredibly better so he has sex he has sex i just pulled that up out of nowhere so there's a scene he and jared leto do not have sex no, no. there's a scene where nick cage and jared leto are having sex next to each other that's what adjacent I meant to, to say, each other yes. which is very awkward 
So they're in Lebanon, I believe, where they decide this is two small potatoes. Mm-hmm. The, the the weapons that we're selling just aren't get, giving us enough money. I've never used that phrase before, but I've always enjoyed it. So maybe I'll start using it. <laughs> Everything's going to be small potatoes at our house from now on. <laughs> you, heard it, you heard it here first, folks. Hannah really grips onto a, a new phrase or a saying as she grips onto her stomach. From, <laughs> just grasped it. From her eating far life. too much cheese last night. I need like a pound of mac and cheese. Yeah. That was a lot. That's not great for someone who's lactose intolerant. No, I would not recommend. <laughs> yeah. So Nick Cage and Jared Leto go through this uh, montage of selling their guns. And like I said, they're they're becoming more and more successful. And suddenly, the first time we see Ethan Hawke is when the two of them, Jared Leto and Nick Cage, are on the are on a, a ship. I liked this scene. This, yeah, this scene it was, was pretty cool. interesting. So they're on a ship, and Nick Cage always has backup plans mm-hmm. for in case he gets boarded by Interpol or the cops or somebody. Right. So, so the name of the ship is Crystal. Something like that. So they hang a guy on a string over the side of the ship and paint over the crystal and write Kono in like a stencil very quickly Yeah. to make it look like it's a completely a different, different boat. ship. Yeah. And then they hang a different flag, like mm-hmm. a Dutch flag. Yeah. So again, you see like this, that Nick Cage and Jared Leto work really well together and they're always evading Ethan Hawke, right? That's the whole premise of the movie for the first 30 minutes i guess yeah there are a couple of really great screams in this scene there's get that fucking rag down mm-hmm. and Master, I'll send your ass in. <laughs> i like that one and i love when he <laughs> emphasizes the curse the words curse word, he yeah. does that always and ass in is great i don't know why i just thought of this but did you know anyone growing up who said cuss word instead of curse word yeah, so also, I hope he doesn't listen. Not that it's a bad thing, but growing up, my cousin always said, oh, my word. Yeah, I know a girl who used I, to like, say that. Which I always thought was kind of odd. It just sounds weird to me. But I feel like people who say, oh, my word, also, also say, say cuss. cuss. Yeah. Is it like a proper thing? I guess. I think so. I wasn't sure if it was a regional thing, maybe. Maybe. I don't know cuss swear or curse which one do you use i use curse yeah i use curse like a normal person <laughs> <laughs> like a northeastern <laughs> like a northeastern hey this is new york <laughs> we don't need to do that again never <laughs> fans of the show know that we love quoting spider-man one anyhow <laughs> so the next part of this montage that they're having where they're s- successfully selling all these guns i believe they're in bolivia and they have this bad deal, right? So they're selling guns for money, but instead the guy doesn't give him money. He gives him cocaine, a whole bunch of cocaine. I believe Nick Cage even gets shot in this scene. A full brick of it. Yeah, but it's like six full bricks of cocaine, like per gun or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Nick Cage and Jared Leto are like, well, fuck it. We're not, we don't have any money and I just got shot. So let's just do a bunch of coke. And Jared Leto immediately gets addicted to coke. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's problematic. Yeah, it's another through line through this movie. What did you think of Jared Leto in general? I okay, I'm biased. I hate Jared Leto. <laughs> He's the worst as a person. <laughs> I really can't stand him. <laughs> I like that one song that oh, his Thirty band Seconds to Mars plays. Yeah, what's that song called? I don't, I don't know. He's got. I, I mean, their band know. has a few songs that have been on the radio. Like the most popular song. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's not important. We're not going to. It's look a good it up. song. Okay, but <laughs> other than that, I really can't stand him mm-hmm. um you ever see dallas buyers club yeah he was excellent in that whatever i don't like him so <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you i think i also had you watch suicide squad which oh he was my god horrible he in. truly ruined that i movie. mean he i guess to his credit he made a choice that you know he stuck with and we credit nick cage with that a lot he makes a choice that's true he was just not likable and nick usually is likable even when he makes a choice yeah but also you hear all the stories of offset about how yeah jared leto's like sending used condoms to people and dead pigs and like nick wouldn't do that crap like nick does stuff to himself like sleep in his car like sleep in his car and like pull out his tooth without anesthesia and learn the entire Navajo language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's done a bunch of other crazy, like eat, eat a cockroach. Eat a cockroach like, yeah. He doesn't, I guess the only time that there's been a report of him like putting another person in danger or like an unsafe situation was 
Matchstick Man. Ma- yeah, he like drove that girl in a car. Yeah, because he did the stunt driving with the girl with the other actress in the Great. car, not a stunt driver in the car. Tough. Like, <laughs> it's not that bad. Hold on, I want to look up that thirty seconds. All right, while well, you look that up, I'll keep going. So, oh, the kill. The kill. Okay, I don't remember how that goes, but it's not important. So Jared Leto's addicted to coke. So Nick Cage ends up taking Jared Leto to rehab a couple times throughout this movie, and before he takes him to rehab nick cage always gives him one last bump and mm-hmm. then jared leto looks at him and always goes you're it's a good like, brother you, bro. and it's like come on it's like you're right definitely there. not a good brother no that's terrible <laughs> so we're like i said we're like 30 40 minutes into this movie and it's at this point where nick cage is again talking about that girl and i had to be like oh right there's a love interest in this movie and so what he does it's so creepy. is he buys every room at a resort. He also pretends to be... In the be south of France or something? Something like that. It's on, it's on a coast somewhere. Mm-hmm. He also pretends to be a uh, modeling agency or, or a photographer and then cancels so that it's only him who happens to like be at the... Like he books her. Right. He books her. As the... Like he pretend he... Yeah. I don't... He pretend, I don't think you explained that one. I was getting there, sort of, but I was not doing well, so thank you. He pretends to be a photographer. She's an American model. Right. He flies to France or wherever this is, books her for the weekend to model for him as the photographer. She flies there. Book. He books out the rest of the hotel, so there's no other patrons there, and they're the only two people staying at this hotel. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> So, of course, what happens is exactly what you would expect to happen. Nick Cage drops a few cheesy lines. He swindles his way into getting with this girl. He pretends to have a fancy car, fancy suit, fancy plane. And they have this really weird kiss on an airplane where he's just eating and manhandling her face as as he does. As he does. And cut to their wedding. (laughs) Honestly, I wouldn't have brought it up if it weren't for this amazing part of the wedding where Nick Cage is talking to his parents and... He, they're like we're so proud of you and he's like all right i gotta go take care of something or, or go enjoy yourself and he goes go go and he like raises his eyebrows and like kind of swings his head around like a kid would be like get out of my room mom go yeah. like it's just out of note he's talking very normally he's conversing with them and then he's like all right go go yeah i remember that it was really weird it came out of nowhere it really did <laughs> So anyway, he's married. Maybe the scene was longer. I and they were like starting to annoy him. I don't know if, but no. if that was the case, why would the that was editors? Why would the editors put that? Yeah, like together. That was an acting choice by Nick Cage. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> and just nods her head as she goes. Dumb. Dumb. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so he's married, and I don't. I don't think I even mentioned. Obviously, the the model that he's attracted to is Bridget Moynihan, who's the lead uh, female actress in this movie. So, so anyway, now it's Christmas, nineteen ninety one, and he is excited about Gorbachev. Was what I wrote in my notes, uh, and he has a lot of really random screaming in this scene. And I think what happened was that the Cold War ended. Yeah, just the end of the Cold War. Gotcha. So he's excited about the Cold War because now his plan is as follows. He is going to, as follows, what, who the fuck am I? Um, he is going to go over to Russia where he's got family who are in high-powered military positions. He is going to buy all of their stockpiled weapons that they're no longer using for cheap because he's got family there. Yeah, because the war's over. And, then, the, and the war's it. over and they don't need it. And he's going to sell it to the highest bidder, essentially. And right, so I, I guess like through this, I... I I never really, I've never, before watching this movie, I'll admit that I never really thought too much about illicit arms dealing. Sure. Um, But what I did learn from that is kind of the opposite of what I would have expected. I would have thought that arms dealers would have been excited for conflict. Right. And like would have promoted conflict. But what was interesting about that is he was excited that the conflict was over because that means he could buy back the weapons for cheap and then resell it to a different country in conflict for yeah. more money right which i i don't know like i was like wow what a hustle right well there is a moment later in the movie where he flips that and somebody he's talking on the phone with somebody and they say well they're oh, right. in they're in peace talks and he's like peace talks they just went into conflict the other day i'm never going to be able to sell them guns now so i think it depends on the timing yeah yeah situation yeah that makes Situational. sense 
Yeah. So he goes over to Russia and he doesn't just buy guns, but he buys tanks and helicopters. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned it earlier yep. on the on the podcast. Real uh, Czech. Yeah, oh yeah, they were real Czech tanks. Czech tanks. Like from Czech Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia at the time, I'm not sure. But um so he buys all this stuff and he runs into that snooty Englishman from the weapons mm, conference yes. and he's like, You're too late. Her her her. But let me buy you dinner, I guess. So they go to dinner and here's another, again, I wouldn't have brought this up if it weren't for this really weird scene where Nick Cage is interacting with a waitress who's like, you sell guns. This is all in Russian and Nick Cage's Russian is terrible. Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> so she's like, you sell guns, don't you? And he's like, I do. Why don't you come to my room later and I'll show you my cannon. And he makes a finger gun and he goes, pew, pew. Cool. And anyway, he sleeps with her because that's the next scene is he just cheats on his wife real quick that he you know, did so much work and effort and lies and yeah, deceit to, to get, get and he just like cheats on her. And I'm sorry you know, though, like day. an arms dealer to use the finger gun. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> like, come on, man! It's like the corniest thing he possibly could do. <laughs> he really goes back and forth with his character choices. Well, some of it's in the script, I think, but I about I kind of mentioned this to you halfway mm-hmm. through the movie, where we talk about this sometimes on on the podcast. But like, what do you think his character was? Yeah, I think so what he thinks his character is, is his character is going through the arc of somebody who is somewhat timid in the beginning to becoming more and more confident. And I think that was his major choice was to to portray this this confident guy, I guess, this confident businessman. It is many years that pass. Right. And he barely looks any different <laughs> yeah, so we haven't I, mentioned that yet no i, I forgot to mention that at the <laughs> did you beginning. say he was wearing a toupee at the beginning no i didn't mention it but he's wearing a really bad wig in the beginning of the movie it's it's pretty rough at least it's brushed in a very weird way at least and if then it's they not take it off later on to show his receding hairline like the next year they're like 1982 <laughs> and he's wearing a wig and now the year is 1983 and it's he's just not wearing it arm stealing will uh that'll do it that'll do it to you <laughs> it'll do it to you every time <laughs> but to kind of go on to the character choices and go back to the scene at the end, which we'll talk about in a second, but Ethan Hawke's character in that scene, I feel like he's pacing around the room as he's in that scene, and he's got kind of his shoulders hunched up, and it almost reminded me like like an they... animal like stalking his prey kind of thing, mm. because that's what this character is doing. He's trying to hunt down this char- this other arms dealer. And I saw that legally, legally, he's trying to do it legally. And I saw that immediately in Ethan Hawke. And I just didn't see anything like that in Nick Cage other than I'm playing somebody who's confident. It's funny because when I read that article where Ethan Hawke was saying that was his favorite scene that he's ever done, Mm -hmm. a lot of the critics were saying, yeah, it's not cagey at all. No. Like Nick Cage doesn't do much in that scene. So it is interesting that this is like his favorite scene that he's ever done with another actor because when that he, other and 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 the fact that ethan hawk is so enamored by the by nick cage's acting style right that he doesn't even like utilize any of that acting style in that scene yeah. like very interesting that that would be like his favorite scene he's ever done with an yeah, actor and they, they say all the time acting is reacting and nick cage's whole point in that scene we're talking about the final scene halfway <laughs> through the movie but cares. but his whole point in that scene is that he's not reacting because he knows what's going to happen because he's been in the business long enough yeah so they, it, it, you're right it is interesting that ethan hawk would think that that's his favorite to do because he's not getting anything from his scene partner right yeah anyway He's a, what did they call him? Something thespian. Uh, he's a oh, compelling, a c- uh, compelling thespian. A compelling thespian. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the scene in, where are we? We're in Russia still, where uh, Ethan Hawke shows up and Nick Cage is like, tells his real life son, I guess, to, hey, why don't you... Hey, son. Yeah, hey, son, <laughs> take, take those helicopters apart real quick because Ethan Hawke's here. So Ethan Hawke grabs Nick Cage real close. And honestly, I, I was like, they could kiss. They're so close <laughs> they could kiss. So did. Nick Cage does essentially the same thing he did on the boat, but with helicopters where he repaints it and rebrands everything so that he gets away with selling these arms and ammunition. Then there's a brief moment where the snooty Englishman is, is leaving Russia and he says something quickly to Nick Cage's uncle who sells them all the weapons and you sh- you see Nick Cage's uncle's car, and I don't know how exactly it's framed, but it's framed in a way that Hannah and I both turned to each other and said, that car's going to blow up. 
because I don't know what it is. Where it's something about where the camera is in relation to where the car is, but you but can also, just also like it's just a car by itself, right? It's like oh. I feel like every time I've seen an action movie with just a car by itself, it's like it's going to explode. It's going to go boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of similar to me, like when you have a scene in a like in a car, and there's somebody in a car, and they're looking at the camera, which the camera is in like the passenger seat, say. And you see a lot of the window of the driver's side window, then you're like, oh, a car's gonna T-bone them. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just that gut reaction. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I explained that well or not, but I feel you. All right. So anyhow, now the highest bidder for all these Car guns. Goes boom. Car goes boom. Just now like the- my stomach. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good one. <laughs> so now the highest bidder for all these guns are in Africa particularly this guy named Baptiste. And Baptiste's whole thing is that he doesn't get idioms quite right. So he is like, I am a a lord of war. And then Nick Cage is like, I think you mean warlord. And so he's like, I like my version better. So it's like, it's that back. He does that a lot. But anyway, that's the name of the movie. They do that cheesy thing where they name the movie. I remembered his first, I remembered his name being Andre, but his last name was Baptiste. Andre Baptiste, yes. Yeah, yeah and he calls him Andy sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was like, I don't remember Baptiste, but hmm. his name was Andre Baptiste. So he's this African warlord and Nick Cage is trying to sell him guns and he's like, Oh, by the way, you know, this gun, it'll never jam up on you. So Baptiste takes the gun and just shoots a guy in the head next to him, and there's a great scene here. Nick or a freaks great scream. Out. Yeah, Nick freaks out and he screams. Why'd you do that? And it's why did you do that? And then he goes, because you're going to get the gun dirty. It's Now it's used, and I can't yeah, sell a used, used gun. Weapon. I can't give you a used gun. Right. And I, you know, I was like, was that supposed to be funny? I don't know. Well, I think it made the warlord guy trust him more. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it was like, why did you do that? The, you like, well, would... I can't sell you a used gun. And then the guy's like, oh, so he's going to sell me legit stuff. Perfect. Right. Yeah, but you would think when somebody screams, why did you do that? I'm going to go tell the authorities or something like oh, yeah. that. But he was like, no, I'm just, you know. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Man. Is that supposed to be funny? Like for the audience? Right. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know. didn't think it was. <laughs> I didn't. That's your question. Like I said, after that first scene with the CGI with following the bullet, I got very little enjoyment out of this movie. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Like, I don't know. It yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Whatever. So... So Nick Cage gets put up in this hotel where he's really awkwardly seduced by two women. Uh, oh, right. And this time, instead of being paid in money or in drugs, he's being paid in diamonds, which pays really, really well. His son in the movie is also named Nicky. I wrote that down, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is quite fun. So now that he's getting paid in lots of diamonds, he finally has money again, whereas he was kind of scraping by before. Uh, let's see here. Oh, he has a quick shower scene with his wife. Ew. Now, Gross. Yeah, it was real weird. Don't want to see Nick in a shower with a woman or anyone or alone in a shower. <laughs> well, we saw his penis in Angels of, what is it? City of Angels. We did? Yeah, in the shower. I don't remember. <laughs> that was like our favorite, one of our favorite scenes of that movie. City of Angels. Go back and listen. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, he gets in the we've shower. We've seen his ass a few times. That was the only time we've seen at least the silhouette of, the profile of the silhouette. Oh my god, I don't, why don't I remember that? Well, because clearly you blocked it out. You're <laughs> that traumatized. Movie sucked. <laughs> that movie was pretty bad. It was Meg Ryan's <clears throat> height of her career. Yeah, I guess. So, anyhow, now the cops are always after him, but now he's in a plane over Sierra Leone and the plane starts getting shot at by Interpol, to, and they're like, hey, bring your plane down. So, Nick Cage has a few really interesting lines, which I will insert here. Okay, okay, fuck! But then he says, You underestimate yourself, Alexi. You're the best. You're the shit, Alexi. You're the shit. You're the shit. You're the shit. <laughs> I loved that one. We, bo- we both started laughing at that one. Yeah, that was that was pretty solid. So what the plan is now that they're getting shot at, instead of landing at the nearest airport, Nick is like, land on that highway over there, which is really just a long dirt road in Africa. And they land, and Nick H has some random shouting. I probably won't insert it all here, but he's getting rid of all the guns and all the ammunition that's on the plane. And Ethan Hawke shows up, and he's like, I, 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 I'll I, get you one day or something. He said it like Nick. I know, I did it. You start Rawr. everything with, Rawr. I'll get you one day, you Nicolas Cage. And then he's like, you know, the rules say 
that I have to have evidence to arrest you, but I don't have to have evidence to hold you for 24 hours. And he cuffs him to like a tree a stump. Chair, yeah. yeah, and leaves him in the middle of Africa for 24 hours. And as he's doing that, as he's cuffing him to the chair, Nick does have a really good, another good scream, which is, Ow, fuck! It's a quick little off fuck, but I remember you laughed at that one a lot when we watched it. Anyhow, so Nick Cage, after the 24 hours is up, Ethan Hawke comes back, unties him. Nick Cage wanders his way back to the hotel he usually stays at, which Baptiste, whatever, is, lets him have. He shows up, Baptiste is there, with the snooty Englishman tied up, and Baptiste goes, hey, this guy killed your uncle. Why don't we kill him together? And Nick, Nick's like, I've never killed anybody. Yeah, Nick and Baptiste both put one hand on the gun and they shoot this guy straight in the head. You see mm-hmm. a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But again, it's really good CGI, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah. So Nick Cage is all upset that he just killed a man. He took a life. So he goes to the bar and takes a couple shots and he does a oh, line yeah. of Coke and gunpowder. Gun what do they call it? I forget what they called it. Like a fireball or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's some generic name. It's yeah. Like I said, you can guess a lot of this movie. Yeah. So now he's drunk and he's high and he's just wandering around Africa. He gets involved in a kid's soccer game that's like yeah, moonlit. Weird. He has this really crazy laugh. <laughs> Kind of like that, honestly, <laughs> but coming from Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and he's like hallucinating. I forgot about that laugh. Yeah, so he makes his way home and he gets confronted by his wife. And this is one of, it's definitely the loudest scream in the movie, but I'm not sure if it's going to be the best. And he screams, There is nothing illegal about what I do. To his wife. No. Nah. Doesn't do it for you. No, that didn't make me feel any type of way. Fair enough. <laughs> So in order to please his wife, he is going to go straight. He's going to go legit. And now he's selling oil instead of guns, I guess. And uh, But then Baptiste shows up to his house in New York. And he's like, what are you doing here? Oh, my God. And he's like, look at the size of this diamond. We need you to sell us more guns. And Nick's <laughs> like, okay, great. And so just like a scene out of Shrek, <laughs> Hallelujah starts playing. I heard there was a secret chord. And Bridget Moynihan takes her fucking five-year-old son to follow Nick Cage, who leads them to this stash of guns that he protects with a padlock that's his son's birthday. Yeah. Like, nobody would ever guess that. Yeah. And she finds all these guns, which gives the cops the go-ahead and what they need to, to ultimately arrest Nick Cage. But before that, Nick Cage is like, hey, I'm going back to Africa. Africa's fucked up. I need backup. It's been more fucked up these days than it has been in the past. I need backup. So he goes and gets his brother, who's fresh out of rehab, (laughs) Jared Leto. And Jared Leto's like, yeah, totally. I'll go with you. They go to Africa, and they're about to sell people guns. And Jared Leto realizes, he's like, they're going to buy these guns and turn around and shoot these innocent villagers who are just over the hill here. Mm -hmm. And Nick's like, yeah, that's what they do. But that's not really our problem. (laughs) <laughs> and so Jared Leto is having this existential crisis. Yeah, moral yeah. compass. So he grabs a grenade or two and he blows up one of the truckloads of guns that they're trying to sell. And all of the dudes who are just standing around just pull out the guns that they're obviously strapped with and just shoot the shit out of Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. He gets shot like 15 times. A million times. And there is a scream here. Uh, Nick Cage yells to his brother. No, and V is for Vitaly, which is his brother's name, Jared Leto's character's name. But like I said, we've had better screams. So mm-hmm. ultimately between what the wife led the cops to as well as there was one bullet left in Jared Leto's ribs. So when Nick Cage brought the, the body back to the United States, they were able to figure out everything that he was doing. And then this is the scene that we've talked to death where they're in the holding cell. I will point out something that we haven't point out, pointed out yet, which is that this scene in mostly just this scene and not very many other scenes in this movie really utilizes orange and teal. So I don't oh, yeah. know if we've mentioned this on the podcast that before. That was like the most, just, I don't know. Like, how do you describe that room that they kept him in? Oh my God. It was like a spacious, modern two bedroom <laughs> apartment, but it was like a jail hell holding cell. Yeah. It was like, it was like somebody's gorgeous living room, but they just took all the couches out. There might as well have been a waterfall in the background. Yeah. Like, Ooh, a water feature? Hey, it don't was mind very, if I do. very modern, contemporary. Yeah. 
And then, like I said, it was orange and teal. So there were backlights. Backlit yeah, there's there's backlights <laughs> on the on these walls, and one of them's orange and one of them's teal. So I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but so a while ago, around this time in the early 2000s, somebody figured out that if you shine an orange light on a human person, <laughs> don't know why I said it like that, <laughs> on a human specimen. <laughs> so if you shine an orange light mostly on white people, that it gives them a really nice glow, mm-hmm. right? So what's the For other action? Right. So what's the other end of the color spectrum is teal. So what's a really good contrast in color for the orange light that you're putting on these characters is teal. So it's ultimately become a really lazy way of doing movie lighting and movie color theory. So if you ever see orange and teal, you you kind of know what you're getting into. So anyway, that really bothered me. <laughs> but we talked to death about this scene. And ultimately, even though he gets caught, and like I said, he's not reacting. And what he says is, you know, you might think I'm evil, but I'm a necessary evil. You're going to get uh, a call from a higher ranking officer who tells you that you're going to do a good job. And that's going to come straight from the president because the president needs a freelance gun smuggler who has connections in the worst parts of the world. And that's me. And then we go back to that green screen in Africa that we started the movie on. And he says some other bullshit. And words come up based on real events. Gun smugglers are still out there and they're employed by the. U.S. and China and France and all these other countries. And you're like, okay. Yeah, no wonder the U.S. didn't want to fund this. Yeah, of course. I mean, you could have taken those lines out. Or you could have changed that ending scene. Or made Yuri not an American. Which he's not, really. I mean, he's probably... He's a a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't born in the U.S. Yeah. He's no Springsteen. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't make him not American, though. No, you're right. You are right. He's just not natural born. Yeah, no, you're right. So that's the movie. Like I said. Yeah, it was fine. I was bored. Just a movie. Yeah, I fell asleep almost immediately after. Oh, yeah. Like, credits and boom, Hannah's out. I For the last couple scenes, I was struggling to keep my eyes open. Oh, my God. So anyway, hopefully you're not struggling to keep your eyes open listening to this podcast. <laughs> we'll move on to our next segment, which is the Nick Cage Awards. Oh, we didn't talk about any of his costumes. They weren't really they that interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it in a moment. Okay. But uh, best supporting actor is first. So who's the best supporting actor? Ethan Hawke, Jared Leto. His son. His son. his son. Ooh, Weston Cage. Weston Cage. Coppola or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Uh, best dressed is the next one, so we can talk about it now. I Honestly, mean, he just wore a suit. It could just be a suit. Um, it, we could say the toupee in the beginning, but you yeah, don't even really remember that. Remember so uh, sure fine okay too bad <laughs> all right great uh worst scene is it the final scene <laughs> sure <laughs> we talked it about just, it to death it made me feel absolutely nothing like i yeah i immediately fell asleep after yeah exactly <laughs> and i mean like nick's character is he's down because also i failed to mention but his parents have figured out everything and his brother's dead and his wife left him so he's like i've got nothing to lose and so that's why he's really down and he just doesn't do anything in that scene no yeah the best nick cage scene in the movie Mm. it's tough should be the scene where he's high wandering the villages of sierra leone yeah and he's hallucinating Uh and he has that weird laugh as he falls (laughs) amongst the soccer the kids playing soccer (laughs) brilliant Okay, the best Nick Cage scream. What's the one where he says shit, shit, shit? So he didn't Isn't really scream. Scre- he didn't really scream. You're the shit. You're the shit. You're the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I probably inserted it back there a few minutes ago, but yeah. um, he does scream right before that. He says, "Okay, okay, fuck." Mm-hmm. But this is when he's getting shot by Interpol when they're in the plane over Sierra Leone. Oh, what's the one where he says ass? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's in the beginning when they're on the boat with his brother. And it's faster or I'll send your ass in. It's good, too. Uh-huh. What do you think? Ooh, I don't know. Let me see if there's more. And then there's the, why did you do that? When he sees the guy get shot. And then there's the, there's nothing illegal in what I do. Mm-hmm. That scream really comes out of nowhere, but you're shaking your head. So we're not going to go with that one. I I think the ass in is probably better. <laughs> yeah. It's not as iconic as some of the other screams in other movies that we've had. This but movie's not iconic. That's true. That's true. 
Okay. That was the best scream. So the most nouveau shamanic moment. There's a few. <laughs> You're the shit. Yeah, I you know, but that was probably in the in script. In the script, yeah. So it's Oh wait. The way he says go yeah. to his parents. <laughs> yeah. Or the crazy laugh that we oh, just the crazy awarded. Laugh is good too. Or oh my god, I also forgot to mention on that boat scene that we just awarded for best scream. He has terrible phone acting again. He's, oh my god. He's the worst on the Awful. phone. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? Do you, but I can't, okay, fine. <laughs> like, ex- like, like at that pace, like expecting the other person to, like no one talks that. No. <laughs> right, no. So, Nouveau Shamanic, what do you think? <laughs> Probably the laugh. The laugh or the, or oh, what was the other one? Is go. It? Or the Go. <laughs> we liked the go. we do like that we're laughing we'll more at the, the go, go. We'll yeah all right the go because we gave the scene to the one with these laughing 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 um all right so that's great so now we have the ever daunting task of ranking this movie it's very middle of the pack for me yeah middle of the pack we have done 43 movies what's well, 21 21 is one we did not long ago wind talkers mm. i think higher than wind talkers okay snake eyes lower than i think between wind talkers and snake eyes is fair so just for reference below wind talkers is valley girl oh yeah that's so fine. yeah i think that i think that makes sense so that'll put it like you said right in the 21. middle that'll be number 21 oh boy Love it the weatherman oh yes not to be confused with the wicker man <laughs> that's what i was thinking no the weatherman is up next what that'll be next wicker man? the wicker soon, man is right? soon we have that scheduled for uh early to mid-august at this point oh god damn it do you know what's after the weatherman i'm looking at the list here it's the ant bully god damn it. <laughs> oh and then world trade center that might be around 9 11 like no, no, it'll be it the first weekend of August. So it'll be oh, around okay. 9-11, but it'll be the first weekend of August, unless we take and, a month and off. Then the Wicker Man, and, and then the Wicker Man. And then the Ghost Rider. The Wicker Man, Ghost Rider are going to be some fun ones. Do we have anyone that wants to be on this for Wicker Man? We do have some friends scheduled for Wicker Man and Ghost Rider. All right, I think we should try it. Yeah, we can try to remote them in because yeah. it's still have COVID. Yeah, it's still COVID. We can't really have people here, especially yeah. doing a ton of talking in a closed room. Inside, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So that's next week. Anything else you'd like to add before we sign off, Han? No, I'm still looking at the IMDb page and I noticed Captain Corelli's vandal. <laughs> that was such a bad movie. <laughs> the movie was so bad. It was terrible. Oh my god. This was better than that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Alright. We're all good then. And now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Now, freak.